0: Welcome to the Mastering Dentistry Series on the Newbie Dentist Podcast. This podcast will focus on providing value to dentists who are striving to learn, evolve, and master their trade. Your hosts are Dr. Ziad Hamad and Dr. Ricky Hamami. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for the first episode of the Mastering Dentistry Series with the Newbie Dentist. Today, I am honored to be presenting to you someone who I've met a few years ago when I was in dental school. I called him, a random student, and we chatted for over an hour, and he gave me lots of invaluable advice and invited me to a social event where we got to know each other a little bit better, and now I work with that guy, and I hope to keep my job after this interview. Um, Born and raised in Windsor, Ontario, a graduate of the Detroit Mercy Dental School, he undertook an AEGD at the St. John's Providence Health Systems, and since then, he has been practicing as a general dentist in London, Ontario, Canada. Within eight years of graduation, he has now over 10 dental clinics, practice management, and dental technologies company. He is currently also taking an executive MBA at the Ivy Business School. He has co-founded the Dentist Tree Academy as a center for continuing education. During the COVID pandemics, he has organized a very educational series of Zoom webinars by pioneers in the field, and now he has an outstanding dental fast track program that will be announced today for young dentists and recent graduates. Ladies and gents, I'm proud to be presenting to you today my friend and mentor, Dr. Hicham Shurgan. Hicham, how are you doing?
1: Oh, i'm doing very well thank you so much for that introduction yeah that was absolutely incredible and uh no don't worry you will have your job after this all after everything settles <laughs> down Ooh, yeah
0: good. <laughs> a little bit worried there uh so today Shan, we're gonna go all the way back to the beginnings right to where everything started why dental school for you why were you interested in dental school
1: now i come from a family of physicians and one of the things that that my dad would always challenge me and say, you know, is, is, is medicine really for you? I, I always loved the the entrepreneurial aspect of, of the world. I've always ran businesses. I've always liked to, you know, turn a dollar to two and, and continue to grow that way. And I remember it was my first year of undergrad, first semester actually. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I, everybody was kind of always hinting that I'd probably follow my, 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 my family's footsteps and go into medicine. But my dad went ahead and asked me if I ever looked into dentistry. It has a nice blend of business and a nice blend of, of, of health. And I looked into it and I fell in love. I had a couple of great mentors with me in Windsor that that showed me the ropes. They showed they introduced me to the industry. They, they showed me what the true value of dentistry is. And after that, I caught the bug and I haven't looked back since I've been absolutely in love with the profession. I've I've enjoyed every day that I've gone into work and it's it's been an absolutely incredible journey thus far and I'm looking forward to continue to grow it. But um, you know dentistry to me it's it makes sense on so many different levels. It's not just the business aspect of it. It's not just working with my hands. It's not just you know the the healthcare aspect of it. Every day there's there's something that that I can that I can note that's amazing about the industry that we're in today from from the tech side of things to as I said the healthcare aspect to perfecting um, a certain type of skill set to, to doing incredible work and constantly pushing the envelope in, in whatever it is that uh, that we're, we're interested in at the time
0: and you know what I can vouch for that as well could definitely see the passion and um, and, uh, and love there as well into uh, the dentistry there so I actually like had the same thing like I always wanted to do medicine as well for as far as I could tell and uh, dentistry was my the last thing that came onto my mind and it was the best thing that happened to me I always wanted to uh, medicine both my parents were physicians and yeah just you know decided to take the leap Uh, I talked about it in the other podcast and um, it was the best decision of my life so you mentioned that you've had some mentors before you got into dental school so
1: where did you shadow quite a bit as well absolutely so one of my first mentors and he's a very close family friend Uh, his name is Roger Shaban and you know i spent so much time with him a funny funny thing about this guy was that he was the he was not only a dentist but he was the the ball boy for the detroit lions oh uh, really so he, he was more or less the linesman the one who would always run and grab the ball and make sure that right. everything is all taken care of so um it, it's very humble in so many different ways but um everything about this person was just so gravitating to me where i you know the the, the way that he conducted himself in the community the way that he conducted himself professionally as well the practice that him and his brother brother ran mm-hmm. um, so as, as soon as I, I kind of got sucked into that I haven't looked back since I loved everything that um, that that he he presented to me he always would give me such great sound advice you know even when people would criticize you know size there's there's always critics of, of any industry and he would always be the one to kind of put me back online and say look here's yes there is this element but you know, you got to look at things in a different perspective as well. And we still have uh, maintained an amazing relationship and, um, you know, having good mentors. uh, And that's something that we'll probably talk on, uh, not just throughout your undergrad career, but throughout your entire life, is something that's worth its weight in gold you know you can you just cannot value having good mentors that are constantly evaluating where you are when you're development and constantly giving you um you know honest to goodness advice that's going to help you not just today or tomorrow but help you you know throughout your career and throughout your personal life as well
0: Absolutely. Uh, especially for for the young clinicians out there. I know for myself, always always having people and not just one mentor, right? Just having multiple mentors in different aspects in dentistry uh, is amazing. It just uh, uh, propels you so much further in your career. So Hisham, we want to get inside your mind a little bit. Sure. Into, <laughs> in, you've achieved so much uh, in such relatively little time and uh it's very inspiring to uh, a lot of people and i'm sure to a lot of the listeners as well so i think that that kind of mentality goes all the way back to dental school and a few years after dental school as well so we know success takes different forms so did you always have that vision from the very beginning and um how clear was it and the most importantly through dental school, and the first few years of graduation, what were your mistakes and what were your biggest lessons?
1: I, my, my, dad, my dad told me, you know, always look at school as, as, as something that you're going to look back on one day and say, those are the great times that mm-hmm. uh, that I enjoyed because, you know, try to make the best of it. Right. Um, I, I always believed in the... the the, the kind of the growth mindset you know it's all about going into an opportunity and looking at yourself and saying how can I grow personally and professionally and how can I help the people around me grow as well um, now if, if you guys uh, one one really per, uh, one amazing person that was huge in my life his name is Simon Sinek he's a very good speaker and he's He's, he's, he's international and he's written so many great books. One of the things that he always talks about is having a infinite mindset. And yet that's mm-hmm. basically waking up every morning and saying, okay, how can I be better? You know, if, if, if I get any type of hurdles or roadblocks in front of me, how can I get past them? And just constantly having that type of mentality and having that hustle is always going to put great opportunities in front of you. So if, if we look back at um, before I even got into dental school to me, I looked at dental school as a hustle, right? To get into dental school was a journey that I wanted to maximize my best opportunity. So, Mm -hmm. you know, taking the DATs, I took the DATs three different times, right? And it wasn't because, you know, I did poorly the first time, it's just because I just wanted to do better and better and better. And same thing with applying to dental schools, right? I applied to, I think it was like 10, over 10 dental schools and right. especially the ones that I knew That's I true. didn't even want to go into, but I just wanted to see right. what would happen. Like, you yeah. know, the Harvards and all these other ones. Yeah. Um, and even after I got into these schools, it was all about, okay, well, who's willing to give me the most for this opportunity, right? So talking scholarships, talking, mm-hmm. um, you know, other incentives that dental, school, dental schools can offer you um, to the point where I was able to, to leverage that and save hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout my dental school career, right? So right. I, I was able to go to Detroit and, and they gave me a, an, an incredible scholarship and I was able to live at home. And, right. you know, my focus at that point was just dentistry. You know, I ate, slept, breathed dentistry for four years straight. I absolutely loved it. And that hustle just continued. It was, you know, how do I get the best grades during my first and second year? And then after that is now we have patients in our third year. What do I need to do to continue to keep my patients happy? What do I need to do to get all of my requirements out of the way? What other side hustles? Right. And back in the day, it was uh, it was before, um, you know, Teeth whitening was a thing that, you know, it, right. everybody now whitens their teeth and all these other okay. things. But that was one of the incentives that I would give my patients. I'd be like, hey, look, you know, you get this crown, but beforehand, let me whiten your teeth for you. So, you know, in my locker, I would have the, the opalescent gels, oh, the different actually? percentages. Absolutely. And that was an incentive that I would give uh, my patients, right? And uh, also at the same time, there, there's just always something. We would, uh, I, would to, uh, I would go to, I would go to one of my buddies uh, places in Detroit And, you know, we would, you know, take it's funny that I'm even saying we would take uh, alginate impressions and, you know, I would go ahead and pour up models and I would make them either, you know, you know, side hustle night guards or um, different appliances, you know, sporting appliances as well that um, that I would sell to them for. 10, 20, $30, right? So, um, that's always there because at the same time, when you enjoy what you do and you have people that you care about, you're always thinking, okay, well, how can we, you know, how can I offer you my services? This is something that I'm learning. So I'm more than happy to continue to do more of it. Right. Um, and also at the same time, it's, it just, it's just part of the whole game of just staying engaged and, and helping the people around you and helping yourself as well. I love it. And same then, yeah, so, and then, so after dental school, we, uh, you know, it was just, I'm sure a lot of people are going through this as well right now, is to say, well, what's next? You know, I right. really loved oral surgery. I really loved, you know, prostho. I really loved um, orthodontics. I loved Perio as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're kind of left in, in, in a state of limbo. It's like, what do I want to do, even though right. I haven't really had enough experience to know what I'm good at and what I'm not and what I'm going to truly right. love? So I decided to enroll in an AEGD program, as you mentioned, at uh, at St. John's Providence Healthcare System. And the reason why I wanted to go in there was to continue my hustle, to go into consider it a fifth year where a lot of the patients that I worked with um, during my third and fourth year would come to me in the AEGD program Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, continue their services, continue putting, you know, offering them the best treatment possible, getting, you know, as many of the requirements that I needed done, placing implants on cases that needed implants. And so how was
0: the program in terms of the implants as well? Like like you you said, you've uh, I know you've told me you've placed quite a bit in that in the program right
1: absolutely so the program was very very heavy on dent on on placing and restoring dental implants right um to a point where it's it's almost too heavy on on restoring dental implants and not heavy enough on some of the the basics like for example endo like i felt like i i did a lot of a lot of it was very implant heavy uh, very surgery heavy as well but then by the end of it when i came out i said i feel very comfortable surgically but you know endo wise i don't really know about that so right. i had to take a couple of courses to kind of get back up to speed uh with with endo but uh but yeah it was absolutely incredible now one of the things that i was in that program was i was the black sheep in that program oh yeah because no. i i was um one of uh two or three people that were from detroit and it was a detroit it's a detroit mercy program with right. the healthcare system right and what I thought was that I was going to be starting my, my AAGD program where I left off at my fourth year. Mm -hmm. So kind of hit the ground running. And I, and I was fortunate enough to place some implants, um, during my fourth year. And I did a lot of really, really cool things. And I thought, you know, as soon as this AAGD starts, I'm just going to hit the ground running. I'm going to be placing all these implants. I'm going to be doing all these other things. And the program director, God bless her. She, she was absolutely incredible. Um, she would try to pump the brakes. You got to slow down. You cannot. You know. You you no. You can't place this implant. Or no. Let's right. let's all get together uh, on the same page first. So I had to um, basically wait a little bit for my, my cohort or my classmates to to catch up to to everybody right. because they want the program wanted everybody to be on the same page. So it was a little bit frustrating at first, but then at the very end, you know, it all came together. Right. Um, you know, just kind of understanding everything and having that aha moment. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely an amazing opportunity and it's, it's something that I would, I would recommend for everybody to go into an AEGD or a GPR program mm-hmm. if they're not sure about what it is that they want to do afterwards. And of course there's so many and so many right. of them are focused on different topics in dentistry yeah. per se. So yeah, making sure that you go for one that makes the most sense to you. Uh,
0: yeah. Cause I was going to say like, because I know that there's a lot of different programs out there. Not all of them they're not all the same, you know, like, as you mentioned, uh, for you, it was very implants heavy other programs. Um, just focus on different aspects, right? So absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. So. And, and it's, it's, they are so different in so many different ways, right? So, um, especially with AEGDs and GPRs, my, uh, highest recommendation to everybody is to do your homework. Right. right because if you don't like um, implants you know if you're not happy or not comfortable doing surgeries for example and then you go into a an aegd or a gpr program that's heavy on those it may not be the best experience for you right absolutely. Right? so yeah so and then after that it was uh yeah it was like well what do we do next right we really right. i really liked surgery and um i didn't apply to uh uh, to any oral surgery programs because I, I truly enjoyed the general dental aspects of, of dentistry. But so is that, uh,
0: you, is that where you found your, your love for surgery in the AEGD or is it from dental school?
1: I think it was from dental school. Throughout dental school, I always wanted to become an oral surgeon. Um, some of my mentors during my, my, uh, dental school years were surgeons. Some of them were program directors at at different uh, universities. Some of them were, were residents in the oral surgery programs. Right. And it's something that was just very appealing to me. And, and this was where I could justify, okay, you know what? I come from a background of medicine and I can kind of continue that, uh, that theme moving forward. Um, but I just, I fell too much in love with general dentistry, you know, to the point where, um, right, right before the completion of my AGD program, um, a couple of dental, dental surgery programs, oral surgery programs actually didn't have people that matched with them. And, um, you know, uh, two of the directors called me and asked, Hey, would you be interested? We would love to have you on and everything. And that's where, you know, I had to kind of almost uh, bite my tongue and say, you know, as much as I really want to, I think I'm going to go ahead and try out general dentistry first, and then we'll see where it takes us there. Right.
0: And for those people that actually haven't taken those uh, AGD programs or the GPRs, what would be your uh, advice? Is it over for uh, the likes of us? Um, What is is the recommendation? I didn't take um, any program myself. And that's where the mentors, right? They come in. It becomes super important to having uh, great mentors that help you throughout your uh, career. So, what would be your advice for someone who hasn't taken a program as such as well?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I'm a firm believer on taking the making the most out of the, the the hands that are dealt, the the cards that are dealt to your hands, right? So, um, I, I can make a similar analogy today in my my MBA program. They all say it's all about Whatever you put in is whatever you're going to get out. It's all about the time that you put into engaging what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this is a very good question and I get it, you know, at least a dozen or two dozen times every year is that do I go ahead and go into an AHD or GPR program or do I just go into private practice where there's, you know, some mentorship and there's, you know, a couple of incentives and opportunities that, that I mm-hmm. get with that. There's honestly, Ziad, no right or wrong answer. It really right. is what you do with it. I've had people that have done a GPR or an AEGD and they didn't go in with the right mentality. They didn't want to, you know, they, they didn't want to push themselves to learn as much as they possibly could from the programs. Right. And I've had people that went to private practice with mentors and they never really got what they expected from it from, from the mentor, right? right? And I think it, it all comes down to your perception of things, right? If, if you go into a program or a, a private practice, thinking that you're going to push yourself to the limit, you're going to learn as much as you can, you're going to ask as many questions as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, with with social media and with the internet, you can you can have mentors that are on different continents, and you can learn yeah. so much from them. And I know I know yeah. Zia, that's something that you're very good at. So um, so there's no right or wrong answer. I've always been key on finding the opportunity that makes sense to where you want to go in life, right? And if it's a, a GPR or an AEGD. I'm yet to have somebody come to me regretting that they did an AG, AEGD or a GPR. Um, mm-hmm. Or if there's an opportunity with some great mentorship and great camaraderie that will help you in times where you need them and they'll help walk you through, um, you know, how to become a an, an ethical, credible dentist, mm-hmm. then, you know, go with what makes the most sense to you and go with the opportunity that... Um, that, that that meets other requirements for example your lifestyle your family the location and all and, and, and everything else
0: right it's a very popular saying that you say all the time it's uh, whatever makes sense right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. exactly Absolutely. whatever makes sense whatever Absolutely. makes sense that's the way to go mm-hmm. um so just carrying on um to what we've been talking about i know you love dentistry right tell us a little bit about how much time did you put into dentistry right after the aegd because uh, I know, I know you put in uh, countless uh, hours. So uh, walk us, walk us through that and your journey to achieving that level of dentistry as well.
1: I think you know it's, and a lot of people will will relate to this: is that you know, dentistry can become an obsession very, very early on in your career. And this started for me during my fourth year, where especially you know things on YouTube University right now, where you can yeah. literally YouTube any procedure. So one of the things that I would always do, and this I did this at fourth year, is spend the last uh, hour to two hours watching different type of procedures online, right. and it was just a habit. To, and it got to the point where after I graduated, I would I continued on that habit during my uh, my AEGD years, and then after that, even when I started in private practice, I, I got to the point where I couldn't fall asleep without grabbing my laptop and putting and watching the video. Um, and it was just one of those things where I was, I, I was dependent on that kind of education um, in order for me to continue to, you know, to, to fall asleep or to, or, right. or, or to go about my day. So it became an obsession every day. It was, you know, waking up five, six in the morning, reading about some type of dental procedure or some yeah. type of study that was done, go to work, Go home, you know, make some food, do do, you know, exercise, do what you need to do, and then before bed, spend the last, you know, two hours watching a video or reading a book or learning about some type of dental-related procedure, and um, and and that was something that that I, I continue to this day, not as much as I used to, um, just because I think I've, we've seen almost every video, but. Um, yeah. but I continue to this day and, and it's not maybe in the form of YouTube anymore, but it's in the form of, you know, zoom chats or, you know, mm-hmm. reaching out to people, having, you know, in-depth conversation with conversations with them for a couple of hours about certain, uh, certain techniques and procedures. So, yeah. so to answer your question, it's, it's, it's obsessive and, you know, and you're, I think mm-hmm. you're going through that right now Tuesday yeah. where yeah, yeah. you where everything that you want to do and you want to see is dental related. So my mm-hmm. advice to anybody coming out is find a a colleague or a one of your classmates or one of your friends that's in the industry and obsess about dentistry together together because if you obsess about dentistry with somebody else it becomes your lifestyle and to me I've been I was very fortunate to have a couple of very close friends one of my classmates Cyrus Chang And one of my uh, and he's currently my partner as well and one of my partners and also a guy that graduated a year after us, Michael Rondinelli, where it was every day I would talk to, you know, Mike in the morning for one or two hours on the way to work. And, you know, at at night I talked to him for one or two hours and then i would talk to Cyrus for one or two hours. right? Right. Because. We're all going through the same thing together. We're all trying to, you know, broaden our our horizon, expand our network. We're all trying to grow. And having these individuals that are constantly pushing you is something that I would highly encourage anybody that's just starting out in the industry to to consider. And they always say that steel sharpens steel. And if you're able to... To have some dance partners with you that will help you get through where you where wherever it is that you want to go mm-hmm. there's nothing better in life than than having something like that
0: you know i i totally i love that and i totally believe in it i think like the the everyone's environment as well it controls so much to where they're heading um if uh, you know if you love endo you know just hang out with people that love endo and you know surgery same thing and passion tends to rub you know on each other uh so it's, it's a little bit infectious so i i totally um love that i totally got that uh but the one thing as well you're also relevant right so like it's not like you it's not like dentistry and that's it right um i had a i had this thing um i was telling my very good friend uh, uh ricky and i was like you know that you work the whole day right from seven to seven sometimes i was with you you'd go home 7, 7 a.m. the following day and you would know what happened on, you know, last night's show and you would still talking to the patients, right? You know, you're still relevant in what's happening in the world. So it's not only dentistry. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you also got to stay relevant to talk to patients and people as well, right?
1: And you know what? You found one of my secrets. Yeah. And that's that's a pearl that I would recommend everybody to jump on right away. It's making sure you engage your patients. Not about dentistry, because it gets right. to a point. At that point, that um, you know the patient is seeing you, and they know that you're the expert. They trust everything that you do or say. But now, how do you hit home with them on a personal matter, right? How right. do you say, hey, Mrs. Jones, did you watch? You know, like well, unfortunately, there's no sports nowadays. But hey, did you watch? Right. Did you watch last night? Last night's game, or hey, did you watch the Oscars? Or you know, when was your last, uh, how was your last trip to this, you know, this place or that place? You're engaging right. them on a personal level. To this day, I would get every morning, i get two or three texts saying, Hey, how was, you know, wh- how are you doing in these times? I know that you canceled your trip to Vietnam because of COVID. I hope you're okay. And mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Susie says hi, or Mary says hi and all these other right. things. So that, that is one of the ultimate pearls of success is engaging people personally, because if people like you, they're most likely or more likely going to gravitate towards you. And also at the same time, I, one of my professors would always said this, is that he said nobody would ever sue someone that they liked. Right. Right? So <laughs> even if you make a mistake, you know, admitting to it and owning it and presenting that to your patient, and, you know, if they have that relationship with you, they would understand that, you know, you tried your best and you have their best interests in mind and, hey, let's move on versus if you don't have that relationship with them and you know if you've tried your best and you know right. to somebody they could look at it the wrong way and say that you know what sorry but that wasn't enough i expect to be either be compensated right. or we'll have to go to court or, or or whatever the scenario may be so um so to stay relevant it goes back to you know the the fundamental uh, mentality of growth and, and you know playing the infinite game right where every right. day you look at the day and say how can i be better you know when right. when i wake up in the morning it's like how can i make my day more efficient before I get to work? And then once I get to work, how can I make my day at work as efficient as possible? And right. then you know you slowly start to get better. It's kind of like going to a ge- to the gym. It's the just gym, like you know, yeah. it's like muscle training. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you 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 realize that you know five years later, you're you know you're running seven, eight, nine practices, and you have this company and that company, mm-hmm. and you're doing all these other things. But it doesn't feel like you're doing anything more than what you've you've used you're used to doing because you've constantly put systems in place and you put together a program where it constantly just builds on itself and it doesn't feel labored or it doesn't feel unnatural.
0: Right. And, you know, speaking of growth as well, for you, the growth has been, it's been a journey, right? I want to say slow but steady, but it was, it was uh, focused, I would say, Mm -hmm. right? You were pretty focused on what you wanted. So. Uh, right now, how many, how many practices? Uh, we have,
1: uh, to be honest, it changes almost by the month nowadays, but we have about, uh, 13 practices. We're currently building five more.
0: Incredible. That's yeah. incredible. And you've been at it for what? Over
1: a little over eight years. So I, yeah, I graduated in, I graduated, I graduated from my AEGD program in 2012. Right. Um, but, but I want, I want to emphasize and I want to say something very important. Right. It's. It's it's not about the number of practices that you own. I, I really don't think, and and it's 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 becoming a common thing. And uh, you know, with it with a dental fast track, it's funny. I was talking to some some seasoned dentists about the same topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that success is based on how many practices that you own because I can yeah, say that exactly, there are practices that I've seen that do more than you know eight or nine practices combined. Right? It's right. all about you know, what is the purpose? Why are you building these offices? You know, Correct. why are you growing? You know, why do you have, you know, 10 practices or 11 practices or whatever that number is? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that we should look or, or dictate success based on the number of practices. It's all yeah. about, you know, well, yes, you have all, all these practices, but what's in these practices? What, what kind right. of dentistry is being done in these practices? What right. kind of people um, work at these practices? What was the foundation that this practice was built on? No, Not enough people are talking about that. Everybody, you know, right. unfortunately, in today's world, it's all about, you know, you even take a look at the DSO. Oh, so we own 700 clinics or, you know, right. 1500 clinics or 200 clinics or whatever. Yeah, what it does is. it mean? What does it mean? What Tell me about the workflow that you guys have. Show me the quality of work that you guys have in place and how are you able to to, um, objectively assess the quality of work that's currently being done at your offices. Let me hear how your employees think about, you know, the working in this environment. And I hope that they all say it. All of these systems are already in place, um, but not enough people are talking about that. You know the right. the beauty behind owning multiple practices. If people tap into it the right way, it could it, it could eventually revolutionize the way that we practice dentistry if we're looking at it the right way and we're not just looking at um, profitability as our only metric or uh, how many units of production as as our only metric as well. So um, right. you know it, it's it's been absolutely incredible. And the way that I've always looked at things is that how do you, The the fortunate or unfortunate part of my growth was solving some of the problems had to or made me had to own more practices, if that makes sense to you. And that was a way that I had to do it to to be able to put myself in an environment or in a platform where the dentistry that's being done is done at a higher level and the systems that are being in place make sense. And And I'll give you a perfect example. So a couple of years ago, I I founded a a tech company and what this tech company does is that we offer basically IT solutions, mainly hardware to um, healthcare uh, practices, mainly dental practices. And so initially I had three practices and that was kind of where we would work out a lot of systems and then we would go ahead and start offering them to third parties or dental practices. And a lot of the dentists would come up to me and say, well... I don't want to. I don't want to do business with you because you're a dentist. Right. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna steal my patients, and it's it's funny. They they're using patients like they're cattle, right? Like I can just right. open up a gate, and <laughs> all of a sudden the you're patients would blocking. flood. They would flood from their office to mine. But it was about. It, 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 it kind of it almost beat me in a, in a sense that it almost broke my heart because that's not the way that I think, right? To me, it was all about how can I go into anybody's office and offer them the same solutions that are the same systems that we were able to figure out to make everybody better so i said you know what to hell with it i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna pave my own way i'm gonna make my own road of my own path to success and i'm gonna grow to a certain level where you know i can take care of my tech team and we can continue to grow organically as well, you know. And if right. people want to be a part of this, awesome! I'm more than happy to extend a helping arm, and not just IT, but in anything. But if right. people don't want to do it, it's totally understandable. But at the end of it, I don't want to, you know, cripple my company's growth because right. of, of who I am as a dentist. And unfortunately, uh, you know, in, in, in to some people that you know, that may be a conflict. Um, so right. that's how that's how we grew from two to three to four, and all the way to where we are. Um, today and, and I'm, I'm glad yeah. to say that you know I, I grew in, in a way and my partner Michael Rondinelli, grew in in a, in a very similar way as well and together we have over mm. 25 practices and and we're constantly in that world where we're we're helping each other out and we're we're right. pushing each other to. To be better in so many different ways. So, I love so it. yeah, and I, I just wanted to like, bring that up and just make sure it's it's not the uh, it's not the number of it's practices. Number. It's, it's exactly. what's in the practices, right?
0: Exactly, because you know what I've seen, like I've seen a lot of the practices as well, and I get it. So I think like success for different people means different things, right? Different people either you put a number on your success, and it goes back to what you were saying about the finite and the and the uh, infinite game as well, right? So, um, absolutely. And I think a lot of people follow other. People's versions of successes, and they end up sad, and they end up depressed because they just uh, either they can't achieve it, or if they achieve that form of success, right? Yeah, um, yep. It just uh, it's not it doesn't mean much to them, right? So
1: absolutely. And and it, in one of your previous in one of the previous talks, and that was something that was really highlighted, as to you know don't don't try to copy somebody else's story. Yeah. Right. But you have to also remember, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, Zia. And I think that that's very, very good advice. Um, the other thing too is that you have to remember that sometimes people just don't know how to navigate through these times. Right. When right. when we started, when I started practicing dentistry, you know, owning more than one practice was was almost frowned upon in a way. Right. Right. Because the 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 way the traditional dentist model was to just have one practice and that's yeah. it. Um, so what you can do sometimes is that you know it's it's not about jumping on other people's story. If you still don't really know what your story is and you're trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt to line yourself with people that are successful because right. if you continue to grow, you will eventually um, move in a direction, that stays true to whatever the story or whatever agenda that you have, or once you find it, you're at a different platform. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, and I have a couple of friends that, that have taken that route. They saw what we were doing and they say, Oh, you know what? I want to own multiple practices as well. I think I should do that. Um, but you know, even though their intentions weren't, it wasn't maybe what they really wanted to do deep inside. Right. And it took a lot of sacrifice, a lot of headaches, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. at some points some form of regret, but eventually, they got to a point where they're on a different platform and they're able to take a step back and assess what is true to them, what they really want in life. And then from there, they're able to go ahead and pivot in a way to, to the direction that would make them happy or feel accomplished or fulfilled in so many different ways. And that's why you see this also with, with multi-billionaires. You know, you'll know, you see Bill Gates, right. Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk, Elon uh, Musk. They all go ahead and take on the what I call feel good projects, whether it's right. you know you know SpaceX or any type of like philanthropy or anything like that, because they get to a certain level in their in their life and a certain stage of growth mm-hmm. that they say, you know what, now I'm going to do what I truly deep inside and deep inside wanted to do that will make me feel good. But it doesn't mean that what they did previously didn't uh, involve jumping on somebody else's store or taking somebody else's blueprint or, you know, jumping on their story initially to get to where they want to go today. So, I mean, yeah, my advice to you is uh, or to everybody listening. Mm-hmm. is to be true to yourself, obviously conduct yeah. yourself in a way in an ethical way in a manner where you can look back and say, you know what, I never cheated, robbed, stole, mm-hmm. I always gave rather than received in a way. Um, but if you see people doing good things, there's nothing wrong with jumping on that uh, on that bandwagon per se, mm-hmm. and helping those people continue to grow because it's going to help you in a way as well. And it'll open up so many more doors for you down the road yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: And you know what? uh, Gary B talks a lot about that. It's about uh, uh, tasting as much as you can, spinning a lot of like a lot of plates, right? At the same time. So he says, for example, like he like he's a fan of juggling, you know, 10 plates right at the same time. And even if, you know, six fall, he still has four, you know, spinning right so uh that's better than just you know going at the uh one plate or two plates mm-hmm. uh but then it just depends on the person right i know i know for yourself that's uh that's very applicable you know performing at a level like yours right now having so much on your plate having the uh amity management uh, amity technologies managing all those practices at the same time you're doing a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about in a second so how have you grown as a manager right to manage all those uh plates right and keep
1: them spinning and do great things
0: with them as well so
1: absolutely i think that the I guess everybody goes through different stages of growth in their careers. And um, if a couple of months ago, I talked about the art of management. And yeah, yeah. I was gonna um, get to that in a second. Absolutely. absolutely. And and one of the things and and not enough people are saying this, and especially in, in our profession, is a lot of people are talking about management. How can you be a better manager? But all of that stuff is going to come with time. You just have to make enough mistakes to be a better manager, right? Or you have to have, you know, people with experience around you that can guide you into not making the mistakes that they made. I think the question now comes to, it's like, how do you become a great leader, right? Because if you're a good leader and you make mistakes, that's okay, right? People, the people that are supporting you, the people that are following you, the people that are with you, they're going to march in your or in the order that you want, that you decide that we should go into, regardless of... you know the number of mistakes that you made right so when it comes to how do we manage um all of this ziad it's good leadership right because you know it, it takes a leader to put people in positions to make decisions. It takes mm-hmm. a leader to put, you know, dentists, for example, in, in right next to a patient to be able to care for them and to give good quality of, of service to them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, an administrator that that's able to take care of, you know, your accounts receivables or take care of marketing or take care of the, you know, the, the human resources element of things. It's putting, finding good people, that care and putting them in in scenarios where they can make their own decisions and you can support those decisions and help them, them and empower them to get to where they want to go. And unfortunately as, as dentists, we're, we're taught in school how to be very good micromanagers, you know, from sitting in a cubicle of having all of your instruments and all of your, your materials set up in a certain way with no assistant to start. And you know, initially you get you get to a point where you dictate your own success literally by micromanaging what's in front of you right and it takes a lot of dentists something most dentists actually spend a lifetime and they still are not able to get out of that habit of micromanaging okay. and you know the, the sooner that you're able to you know put yourself in a situation where you can delegate um certain type of responsibilities and you can you know help guide these individuals is this the the day that you really start you know, exercising your leadership skills. And and, and I, in my opinion, I think that that's what, um, you know, most dentists should start working on early on in their careers, because, you know, the, the management aspect that that's a life just as leadership is they're both lifelong journeys and lifelong um, uh, uh, things that you have to continue to grow. Right. Um, right. So
0: and to grow that as well to to that level, there's been a lot of mistakes along of course. the way, right. And it's all about it's all about mistakes. And what you take from it and how you, uh, how you are tomorrow, right? What you have learned from yesterday's mistakes and how you can improve on that uh, to be a better version of yourself tomorrow. And you just keep that going to uh, reach a level to where you're at right now. So tell us about like the, the mistakes that you've had in, in your career so far and how, how that has helped you to reach where you are right now.
1: Absolutely. I think when we, when we come out of, of dental school, We have a preconceived notion that everybody around us is giving us unconditional unbiased advice with no agendas or or anything like that that's happening. Mm. And that was one of my biggest learning experiences coming out of dental school. Because you know when we're in school, undergrad, dental school, or any type of residency programs, everybody around us is is there for the because of the goodness of their heart. Your professors in schools aren't doing this to make millions, you know? Um, they're doing right. this because they enjoy teaching and to some degree the the, the professors in, um, in, in, in the dental schools are doing it because they want want to be able to give back. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. But then once you go into the real world, you some, and the mistake that I made was I made the same assumption. I made the same assumption that, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I think lawyers, accountants and financial mm-hmm. advisors, all those guys, sales reps, all those guys are great, but they have an agenda. You see right. what I mean? So when you go into, when you go into the world and you know, these people are giving you some advice. Um, sometimes you have to understand that the advice that are giving, that they're giving you comes with, a um, some type of agenda that they want to be able to fulfill and sometimes their agenda and yours do not align so that was a great learning opportunity i've probably lost maybe tens if not close to a hundred thousand dollars on you know different lawyers financial advisors accountants because you know i had i had an accountant and you guys are going to love this story i have an accountant great guy very reputable you know one of the best in the business he would call me cool call me on a sunday Right. And I just started and I'm like, Oh my God, this my account. This (laughs) is incredible. He's calling me on a Sunday. And of course, if you're calling, if this guy's calling you on a Sunday, you're like, perfect. Let me go ahead and ask him as many questions as possible. Do I, do I borrow my car? Do I lease my car? Do I buy a house? Do I lease or do I rent Mm -hmm. my house? What, what am I doing here? You know, what's my, my goal is to get to this level at this time. Am I on the right path? You know, Mm -hmm. how do I position myself here or there? And then, and I'm like, this guy's incredible. This guy truly wants my success, your right? your success, right. And then all of a sudden, two, three weeks later, I would get a bill for $1,500, <laughs> right? And it would just literally, it just, and it just, it broke my heart. And I was so upset about it because this person, it wasn't a scheduled call. Right. Right. And I thought that, you know, just like any of my professors in the past or any of my my, my bench instructors, if they picked up the phone and called me or messaged me, we can just have a nice, candid conversation, just like what you and I are having Ziad, And, you know, it'll be perfect. So I I learned that the hard way. uh, And you know what? It's unfortunate. And I'm sad to say that every year I would get about three to five new grad dentists sharing the same experience, you know, with me. You know, whether they got burned on a a, a legal bill or an accounting bill, Um, I've been burned on a practice, you know, where there was an office that um, that I was ready to buy in a small town uh, right around London, Ontario. And, you know, the guy wanted an appraisal. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. no problem. You know, I got an appraisal. I think it was for $4,500 and then ended up having to incur a lot of legal bills and accounting bills. And the whole time the guy was talking to another party as well. Right. So the 25th hour, when we're ready to close, he went ahead and took the other, the other opportunity. And of course, you know, a lot of people that are listening right now, they're like, oh, you should have had a letter of intent and you should have had this and you Mm should have had that. But unfortunately, at the time, the systems that were in place. There, there was not a lot of um, there's not a lot of information that walked us through how to the proper etiquette to buy a dental practice and you would have right. never think that somebody who goes above and beyond to ask for and to get an appraisal done and to talk to you for hours and all these other things would all of a sudden just shift away to, to selling it to somebody else right so right. so those are a lot of the pearls and the mistakes that I made but I'll tell you this that every time that these mistakes happened right it's made me better Right. And I think every right. one of us needs to start looking at life and as dentist and, and dentistry as a whole as well, as it's okay to make mistakes, you know, that your mistakes are what define you. It's not really your success is what defines who you are. It's your mistakes. That's why, you know, a dental office, they call it a dental practice, right? Because you are exactly. going to make a mistake. You're going to perforate a tooth. You're going to, you know, you God forbid, you're going to end up, you know, re- trying to section a tooth and removing quite a bit of bone. You're going to have a patient that might bleed for a little bit longer, or a right. patient that may develop an allergic reaction from something that you prescribe them all of these things happen but it's all about how you perceive them and if you look at it in a way to say look you know I tried my best and at the time I tried my best and I conducted myself in the best and most professional manner possible but I didn't succeed but that's okay because I learned a lot from it and what I learned from it is what brought me here today so I mean the take-home message here is um, you know don't be afraid to make mistakes but do everything that you can to prevent those those mistakes but when you make it you know don't be shy from trying again to you know to to do whatever it is that 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 yeah. that you were doing yeah
0: and you know what like i totally i totally believe in that just uh, as long as you have the you know the good mindset of being the best version of yourself you, you're doing you're not you know you're, you're not clumsy you're not like it's not like we don't care right you just uh you give everything your you know your heart your best and if you make a mistake then it is an opportunity to grow better um, I know for uh, people in dental school uh, in clinically right you you're surrounded by a small cohort of people right so if, even if you're doing well you think that you know you're You know, you're doing great compared to everybody else. But once you graduate, you're out there with people with 10, 20, 30 years of experience. And no matter what you do, you still feel that there's so much more for you to go. And if you look at it from the right perspective, right, you see, you see that like there's always something to be better in everything that you do. And I think the good mindset is because a lot of people feel down. And I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues about this, um, that, uh, people start feeling down, right? Because like, oh, that endo is like, you know, it could be a little bit better or uh, this and this and that. Um, I think having the right mindset, like you mentioned, is is super important to to improve and something that I really, uh, really believe in. Uh, it's a journey and uh, you only learn from your mistakes. So uh, make them count. So that's, uh, that's something I really believe in. Definitely. Absolutely.
1: That's very good. Very good advice.
0: So, Shem, You've been speaking of everything, right? You've been you've been a a good mentor uh, to myself and many others, right? Uh, So now let's talk a little bit more about Dentistry Academy and uh, that pretty awesome um, accelerator program that you have uh, coming up as
1: well. Absolutely. So a couple of things, we'll backtrack to pre-COVID. Let's um, do that. One of the things that, that we, were, we were, this is kind of our secret sauce within our practice, is that we, were very, we are very, very heavy on continuing education. My goal is to give myself and all of the doctors that we work with as much information as they possibly can and as many tools as they possibly can to make sure that our patients get the best experience possible. And to make sure that they do good quality work as well, so one of the things that we would do, and and, and you've been to a couple of them, Ziad as well, is we would do a lot of you know hands-on training sessions, and we would do we would bring in speakers from different parts of, of the world, and they would come in and speak to our group, and we would have a, spend a good time with them, pick their brains, see what we need to do to improve our systems and workflows and protocols. And yeah so that was kind of our secret sauce. So we did it for about 2 years and then afterwards we thought, you know what? We're we're doing this and this is so well received from our doctors and we're seeing our doctors competence. You know, we we have some doctors that graduated last year that are taking out you know some of the most complicated wisdom teeth or they're placing right. implants and, or that, yeah. and and you've seen all these guys and it's absolutely incredible the experience that these are get these guys and gals are getting and it's absolutely fantastic to see how quickly they've grown right so we thought let's extend this to the entire community so myself and my partners we launched a uh, an academy called D- the dentistry academy And what this academy is, is we just do a lot of we're very big on hands on learning because as dentists, you know, we can teach you the theory all that we can. But it's completely different um, when there's a patient in front of you and you have to go ahead and and operate on that patient or do a certain procedure. So the academy was focused on a lot of cat cam style dentistry where patients would come in a couple of days uh, beforehand. We'd fine tune the the didactic element to all of our doctors. And then for the next one or two days, patients are coming in where we're doing crown preps and we're teaching all of our doctors how to scan, design, and mill. Um, And then there's a module where we're teaching them how to do, um, you know, dental implants, how to you know, um, how to plan for an implant, how to design an implant, how to place it and how to restore it. And then there's also another module that we do for oral surgery where we do the didactic aspect, the same thing, but then we get our our doctors to bring in real life patients. And these patients are the ones that they don't even feel, they they, may feel slightly outside of their comfort zone on cases to take on. And we're there for them. We say, you know what, Ziad, if you feel uncomfortable taking this tooth out we want you to go ahead, We'll let you, first of all, walk us through it, tell us what you're doing, and what we'll do here is that um, you know, we'll be here with you and we'll walk you through this entire procedure, right? right? And that has been something that has been absolutely incredible. So now with, with the momentum of that, we were planning on, on doing something that was very unique in our area where we were doing something from start all the way to finish where um, a patient would come in, where they would get a full uh, CT scan, we would scan their teeth, design um, where the implant is going to be placed we would print our surgical guide yeah. and then we would yeah. place the implant and then from there we'd go ahead and digitally um, take an impression of the implant and more or less um, design and fabricate our own crown on the implant as well uh, so I'll start to finish kind of protocol and that's what we were planning to to, to start but unfortunately COVID-19 hit so yeah, um, I know. Yeah, so from there, we decided to do a lot of our, our seminars online. So we, we, we initially just kept it to our private group where uh, you know we have about 50 doctors that would jump into these webinars. And then from there, we decided to open it up to the community. And then long story short, um, two weeks of webinar later, uh, webinars later, we had over 1,500 different dentists join us during these, uh, and the talks have been absolutely. They were quick. great. Yeah, they yeah. were great webinars. Absolutely, yeah, um, awesome. and yeah, you'll be you're more than welcome to uh, to check them out at um, our our YouTube channel, which is Dentistry Academy, and we've also posted a lot of them, a lot of them on the Dentistry Disrupted YouTube Disrupted YouTube, YouTube channel, channel as well. So now one of the things that we've noticed out of the, the 1500 people that we that that attended our, our webinars was that the majority of them were between age 24 to 34 and you know I, it was kind of a little bit puzzling to me so I went ahead and I reached out to about 10 of these individuals and I said hey guys what's going on what's happening with you guys what's right. you know what where are you guys at right now how are you guys dealing with this whole situation and a lot of them were students and they they would they they came up and told me that they felt that they got the short end of the stick and when you ask them why they would say well you know we, yeah, I got close to getting my requirements done, but I didn't. And then my school now came up to us and told us, due to COVID-19, congratulations, we're going to send you your diploma, you graduate. And a small percentage of the, of the students, unfortunately, were not able to, to get that letter. So they have to wait until the schools are up and running again for them to go ahead and finish their requirements. Mm-hmm. And everybody that I spoke to that has some sort of dental experience, they remember, and I'm sure you remember too, ziad and anybody who graduated dental school pre-COVID, would remember that your last three to four months of dental school is where everything came together. That's when light bulbs were going off left and right, that's when you're getting more comfortable holding the handpiece. that's when you're getting more comfortable speaking to your patients and putting all of the different facets and aspects of dentistry together to treat your patients. And it's, it's sad for me to say and, and to hear that right. you know, most of today's dental students due to COVID-19 right. were not able to get that experience. Yeah. So everybody that I talk to, and, and I'm fortunate enough to have a, a lot of great, great individuals in my camp, and a lot of very good friends that are, you know, world renowned speakers on, on so many different platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea came to us to design our own little speaker series or um, our own little dental series to say to our to our dental community and to the new graduating dentists to say, hey, look, guys, we're here for you. And it's unfortunate that you got the short end of the stick this year, but what we can do is we can go ahead and give back to you guys the best way that we possibly can. We can't Mm -hmm. be in the mouth, unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and walk you through these procedures. We hope that we'll be able to in in the near future. But for now, what we can do is we can go ahead and line up as Mm -hmm. many talks as possible that are geared towards new dentists and we're going to go ahead and offer that to you every business day or every working day, every weekday in the month of May. Yeah. So, and like,
0: uh, yeah. And it's just a couple of hours ago, I saw some of the speakers
1: there. It's pretty amazing. There's some pretty big names there. Yeah. You know, the, the, I mean, a lot of these guys are my friends. So I, yeah, I, I think yeah. they're, you know, a lot of people say they're big names, but I, I, they're, they're good, good close buddies. But we have speakers like, you know, Azim Sheikh, you know, Steve Chang, Neki Jamal. Mike Ling, um, uh, Mike Rondonelli, Jake Carrier, Goth Sue, Pio Modi, Tina Kokosis, Aldo Mansour, Jeff Sumner, Mian Quek, um, Stephen Diana, Chris Finelli, Jastikar, uh, Young Chong, Like we, it's it's absolutely. This has been a, a, such an incredible experience, and every right. one of these speakers, to kind of give you an idea, has had so many years already you know on the speaking circuit when it comes to just speaking in front of um you know a group of 20 to speaking in front of you know a group of 4 to 500 you know somebody like uh, Mona Patel who's a dentist out of um Wisconsin you know she was she's one of the biggest names right now that are coming out that's coming out of the United States you know she's a key opinion leader on so many different uh platforms and if you got if anybody was at the Chicago Midwinter this past year her day her face was literally plastered almost everywhere in uh, right at at this, at the convention center. So, um, we're looking forward, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, I'm, I'm a dentist, right? So I love to, I'm I'm looking forward to what these individuals have to say. Have to say and
0: uh, learn. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm excited for it as well. And, um, so like what kind of topics will be, uh, will be there? Like, uh, it's going to go back to the basics, right? And then build Mm -hmm.
1: from there. Absolutely. So every topic that we speak, that we speak about is going to be geared towards, new dentist or the graduating right. dentist. And I just want to make sure that that's very clear because a lot of the topics that have been released lately with webinars are kind of geared towards the, you know, dental, a seasoned dental practitioner that owns a practice or is looking for new toys. Um, so the way that we have structured it is that every week is going to have a theme. So the first week, the theme is more or less just general dentistry where we're talking about um perio so we have some periodontist speaking to us about um you know suturing and flap design to um, naheed muhammad he's going to be talking to us about um, you know, uh, soft and hard tissue uh, grafting. And then we have some endodontists speaking to us about, um, you know, endo one-on-one and, you know, how to treat complicated uh, endo emergencies. And then from there, we have um, Pio Modi talking about, you know, um, you know, aesthetic restorations. And then we're finishing off that week with, uh, with Gus talking to us about, um, you know, prostodontics. And then the following right. week, is going to be geared more towards, um, you know, dental photography and videography, um, restorative yes. dentistry. We have two de- two world class denturists that are going to be talking to us about their world. We have, um, lab guys that are going to be coming up and talking to us about, you know, how to, how to bridge the communication gap between the lab and the dentist and how to make every, every dentist look like a rock star. And then the third week is going to be surgery heavy where we're talking dental implants and exodontia. Um, and then finally the very last week is going to be, you know, team building communication, you know, things that, um, some, some, world-class dentists wish that they knew 10, 15 years ago that they're going to right. be uh, sharing with us. Um, Michael awesome. Rondinelli yeah. is going to be talking about, you know, how to build a practice uh, from scratch. Me and Quek is going to be talking about the foundation of, of your career success. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I, I, think, I think especially like that business aspect, a lot of dental schools, I know for myself as well, like it was barely touched upon if touched upon at all. Um, so it'll be great, I think, for a lot of people to to get a lot of tips and insight on that as well. So I'm Absolutely. looking forward for it, definitely. So how can people find the program?
1: Absolutely, so I'm, we'll be, we'll we'll be releasing,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, to make it easy for everybody because there's a lot of talks going on. If you visit dtacademy.ca, you'll find a link to every one of these talks that you can register for whatever ones or whatever titles that you, that you feel like, uh, that, that make, you know, that gravitate to you. But it's dtacademy.ca. And the dates for all of these talks are starting on May 5th and they go all the way to May 29th. Awesome. Okay.
0: So I know we've talked about so much uh, today. You know, we've went all the way back right before dental school and we got to this point. There's so much information that is super valuable for any dentist, really. I wouldn't say just new dentists. I'd say uh, for any dentist who is interested to improve, right, or to know all these uh, uh, tips and tricks to uh, progress into uh, their career. So, uh, Sham, do you have any advice for our listeners who are interested, right, to grow efficiently as clinician? If you just say, you know, three pieces of advice for for everybody, uh, young or established, or especially for the young listeners as well, young clinicians.
1: I think with with COVID-19, The the opportunities and the the resources that we have are more abundant than they ever have been. So the advice that I would give any dentist is number one, love what you do. Enjoy what you're doing. Right. If you're showing up to work and it's absolutely miserable, I think Steve Jobs said it the best. He said, if I showed up to work three days in a row and every day has been miserable, I know that something something needs to give or something needs to change. And you've seen me do this a lot too, Ziad. Yeah. If I show up to work and I'm having a bad day, I do everything that I possibly can to make sure that the second day is not a bad one. If there's a right. system that's broken, we fix it right away. Because if it happens on the second day, then I have one more day left. And then until I have to make some bigger changes, right? right. So, um, so the advice number one is enjoy what you do, right? and And have fun doing it. Okay. That's the first thing. That's the second thing is to always have a growth mindset or a growth mentality. Dentistry is a lifelong um, activity. It's something that you're going to go ahead all the way till you've been doing it for for 30 years. And, you know, that's probably your your hands have peaked, but then there's going to be so much more that you still have to conquer. So my advice to you is keep pushing yourself and keep that growth mind state, because if you do, you're always going to go ahead and be engaged and you're always going to continue to um, feel fulfilled personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And the final advice that I'm going to recommend everybody to, to, to consider is have good dance partners with you. Bring in mm-hmm. some friends or colleagues that will help you get to your destination because dentistry can easily be an island where you're alone, you're isolated, you're just working nine to five by yourself, you know, and and you're not really socializing with, people in your colleagues or people in your industry. So my advice to you is find these individuals that have, you know, your best interests in mind that care for you that are willing to, to help push you. And at the same time, you're willing to help push them to heights that they would have never been able to reach and achieve on their own.
0: That's incredible. It's uh, it's great advice there. And I think just a second that as well, it says it's to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, Right. Because once, uh, once we feel comfortable in whatever what we're doing, it just means that we're not we're not pushing ourselves further. So, absolutely, uh, I love everything that we we talked about today. I've personally learned a lot of uh, new things as well. Uh, I didn't know, but but uh, well, it's been it's been incredible, Hisham. Uh, thank you so much for for doing this podcast with me. I know I have a lot that you uh, need to get to right now, but it's, uh, it's been incredible. And uh, thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, I'll put all the links in the uh, description on the podcast and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot for joining me, Sham.
1: You are very welcome. And thanks everybody for listening. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Mastering Dentistry series on the Newbie Dentist podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and follow us. All relevant links are in the podcast description. See you next time.